that was awesome. Hearing so many of you uh, singing without the microphone overshadowing you and your beautiful voices. I love the ending of the last song there that um, says to start a fire down in our soul that we can't contain and we can't control. And I believe those two words uh, paint a picture of God. We can't contain him. And we cannot control him. Ain't you glad that you don't manipulate God <laughs> in our failures, in our faults, our shortcomings, that as human beings, it's really, 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 really tough. As Leslie said this week, we have been without internet, and when you're used to something and you don't have it, is when you realize you miss it, and it seems like there's a little bit of a void there of normalcy, and it's easy for us as humans to become normalized to a lot of things. And as Leslie said, sometimes we just get kindly um, stuck in the rut of life that we are burdened down with the cares of this world, really. Anybody have any problems? Anybody got some stuff that goes on throughout the week? Work, life? family. Amen? And this whole week I've been just, I don't, I don't know, it's just been a different kind of week in that really don't have a plan for the sermon today or I just kept bouncing back and forth and going over a lot of different things in my head and my and topics and I had no idea that Leslie was going to do Unplugged and just kind of a, a good picture of kind of what I wanted to say. And Paul, in the Corinthian church, he told them that he wanted them to remain in the simplicity of Christ. Amen. Simple. Amen. Amen. How many wants a simple life? <laughs> Untroubled, unbothered, just a simplistic life. 
And I think that's what Christ wants us to live, is a very basic, simplistic life. To not care about the things of this world, but to cherish him and him alone, and let it be just that simple. And I preached a sermon one time on the simplicity of the gospel and how that it needs to be so basic that everyone can understand. But there is verses that Paul wrote about that said that it is um, foolish to the wise, that sometimes the wise consider the gospel because of its simplicity that it's foolish. And that isn't what we are to make of it. It may be simple, but it's so simple that Jesus wants us to understand it in terms and in ways that is understandable for us and basic in our mind. We need to pray for Dusty and his mother. She lost her husband last night in the middle of the night. and It's just a hard time when we go through loss. And it's painful. And it doesn't end overnight. And we've all lost someone near and dear to, to us throughout our lives. And it's like there's a void that's there that that uh, is never settled, and I'm glad that this life is temporal, Amen. and that heaven is eternal. Amen. That there will be a an ability to know what forever is and what it feels like. And what it is to be. So there, there's one book in the Bible that is one chapter. This one book that I want to talk about today. There's others too. But this one is, there's one, one chapter to this book. It is 25 verses, but it's just one chapter. So it's not real complicated. <laughs> and it's the book right before Revelations. How many's ever read Revelations? How many's ever made Revelations confusing? <laughs> it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be a revelation, and a revelation means revealed. It wasn't sealed not to be revealed, but it was revealed. That was a revelation that God gave John on the Isle of Patmos. We make it complicated, but it's not complicated. There's not anything wrong with the Bible. There's something wrong with our understanding. Amen. Come on, somebody. Right. When I read about a seal and a broken seal and white horses and all these different things and this imagery that John was painting, it, it can get pretty complicated sometimes, and people can make it say what they want it to say and all those things. But I want us to just look at the book of Jude. It's the book right before Revelation. So if you have your Bibles and, and you uh, go to the back, the very last book is Revelation, but the book that's immediately before that is the Epistle of Jude. 
who was Jude. Jude who? <laughs> hey, Jude. <laughs> right, Larry? <laughs> hey, Jude. There we go. So, Mr. Jude. He starts out and he tries to define a little bit of who he is. He says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. There's a difference in a servant and a bondservant. A servant is somebody you make serve you. A bondservant is somebody that willingly serves you. So back in these days and these customs, you, you could literally, if somebody did you wrong, they would have to serve you for so many years. That's the penalty. Wouldn't that be awesome, Chuck, if everybody ever done you wrong had to serve you a little while? I'd like to have some bacon. Go in here and give me some bacon, right? But after so many years, and they've fulfilled their term or their sentence according to Scripture, they could choose at that time, I'm better off here than out there. And that's what they would call a bond servant. It's somebody that at that point in time, they would pierce their ear, and they would become a bondservant to those whom they had served. Now, not out of demand, but out of a desire to stay in this house. So Jude says he is a bondservant of Christ. That means that he doesn't have to serve Christ, but he wants to. And I don't know about you, but there's been points in my life that I didn't want to serve Christ. But I'm, a, I'm in a place now where I would consider myself a bondservant. That I'm doing this out of willingness that I'd rather be in this house than any other house. Yeah. Amen? Amen? I'd rather be under his tutelage than anybody else. And the most beautiful part of this is he's the brother of James. So he says, I'm a bondservant to Christ Jesus, but I'm a brother to James. And who was James? James had wrote a book just prior to this that James is there. And who is James? James was the brother of Jesus. Half-brother. Joseph's son. Mary's son. <laughs> James. Joseph was Jesus' earthly dad. But his father was God. So Jude is a half-brother to Jesus. According to most theologians that believe that. Because of these verses right here. Then he says, I'm a bondservant to Jesus and a brother to James. To those that are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Multiplied. More than what you had. What if we had more peace, more mercy, and more love 
than we currently possess. Basically, this is Jude's prayer to those that he's writing to saying these things, that he wants those things to be multiplied in them. Verse 3, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. Is salvation common? Let me ask you, do you know more saved people or more unsaved people? So the common salvation that he's talking about was so common in their day, in their time, in their culture because Jesus had just been there. Jesus had just preached to everybody that Jude was in contact with. And it was so common that everybody knew it. But you see the world in which we're living, not everybody knows about it. We've heard missionaries come here that said that they've traveled to faraway countries and spend years and never run into a Christian. How sad is it that salvation isn't common? And I loved what Mylon wrote yesterday on her post uh, quoting the prophet Isaiah, who shall go for me, right? Who shall send? Who will go for me? Mylon says, I will go. And she did. This past week, she was serving in a missionary capacity on foreign land to make salvation common or known. So Jude is wanting to write about a common salvation, and he is to these people. And he tells them here, I, I, I'm diligent to write about to you about this common salvation. I find it necessary to write you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. See, I want to write to you about common faith or common salvation, but I'm urged to write to you, diligently write to you, to earnestly contend for the faith. <coughs> to contend for would mean to take up for the faith. Not in a way where that we think we are anything more special than anybody else. But we've been graced with faith by God. I could not believe unless he created me to believe. Amen? I could not come to an understanding of salvation unless he brought me to that knowledge of salvation. So faith isn't about us. But it's something that we possess because God has gifted us with that. So what is faith? What, how would you define faith? Chris, define faith. Out of the mouth of babes. <laughs> we need to take that into account. 
So if you go to a few chapters back here in, in uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, I think it's exactly what you're saying, Chris, that I, I think Paul wrote Hebrews myself. Some people have reason to believe it's somebody else that doesn't really say, but we believe that it's Paul most uh, believe it would be Paul. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So it sounds exactly like what <laughs> Mr. Oliver is saying. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds which were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which were visible. Faith is trust in the unseen. And then it goes through, and this is called the Hall of Faith. If you've never read Hebrews chapter 11, I urge you to go read all this because it goes through and lists all these greats of the Bible that had faith. And it says, beginning a lot of verses will say by faith, and some of the other verses will say through faith. So by faith, Abel believed, it says here in the next verse, by faith. Then there's other verses that say through faith. So faith is something that Jude was wanting his readers to understand and contend for. This faith that we're talking about in Hebrews, a understanding or trust in the unseen. And he's asking them to contend for something you cannot see. To take up war. And that's hard to do. Amen? Because unseen things, it's basically the way the Bible all throughout the Old Testament was, it says every word be established by two or three witnesses. That's what scripture says. Let every word be established by two or three witnesses. If there was no witness, it didn't happen. Just like in our court of law. Go down to the courthouse. Something goes bad wrong. And there was no witnesses. And you can find no evidence. No video. No anything. Right? You got to trust the unseen. And here... Jude, the brother, half-brother of Jesus, is telling the church, contend for the faith. And I made that statement last weekend out at the church, and wasn't that awesome to get to join together with other churches and sit under a, an individual roof and just worship and take communion and love and fellowship and joy. and It's just awesome. I, I really, really enjoyed myself there. to get to see the beauty of the church and that we can have common ground, a common salvation, as Jude is alluding to. Do we believe everything exactly the same? Does everybody in that room believe everything exactly the same? I don't think so. It's absolutely coming down. There's another song, though, when Let It Rain. I guess we should have sung that one. Yeah, she was playing it last night, so here we are. Well, the farmers will be happy, I guess. 
or people with a garden, I suppose. But the same way that not everybody in that room last weekend, last Sunday, believes exactly like, not everybody in this room would agree on every doctrinal issue that we could bring up. I, I know that there's people here that believes differently. It's a bridge. And it's okay. Amen? The Bible says study to show yourself approved unto God. Amen? You've got to worry about yourself. And study, what do you believe? Does it align with his scripture? And if it's been years since you found something that you believed to be untrue, you ain't digging deep enough. Come on, somebody. If there's anything that the church and the Christians need to be doing to contend for their faith is to dig deep in the Word of God, to have an understanding based on this because it is backed up. Amen? What I believe or what I was taught as a kid or what I heard from one Sunday school teacher at one point in my life, I can't defend that. I can only defend it if it's this Word. It establishes our goings, the Scripture says. I love it that Jesus would say, and he didn't quote exactly where, but when the devil come to tempt him, you remember that? That he went out on a 40-day fast out in the wilderness, wandered around, and when he come back, the enemy was trying to tempt him out in the wilderness. What did he tell the enemy? It is written. You don't have to know where it's written. You just got to know it's written. Come on, somebody. Amen. Some people say, well, I can't quote scripture like that, or I, I can't remember exactly where it's at. It doesn't matter exactly where it's at. It matters, was it written or not? Amen. And if you don't know, go look it up. You'll find it. We got Google today. Amen. Let Google find it for you. It will. I know Google probably doesn't like scripture as part of their platform, but use it to your advantage. Amen. So if you don't know where scripture talks about a doctrine or an issue or a subject matter, go Google it. Amen? I know it's in there somewhere. I've read it before. It's written. He isn't looking for a bunch of quoters. He's looking for those with understanding. And as I begin to think about this and study about this, that it's simple, that it's common salvation, and he wants us to contend for the faith. The word doctrine Anybody ever heard the word doctrine? One of the most quoted scriptures, you know, in Timothy, Paul was writing to Timothy. He's telling him that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture. Amen? From Genesis 1 all the way through the end of Revelation, it's the scripture. And it's wrote down for our inspiration. You know what inspiration is? It means you're inspired by it. Amen? I get inspired when I read the Word of God, don't you? Don't, does it not jump off the pages of you and just illuminate itself and become a reality in front of you? If it doesn't, start praying before you read. Amen? You're reading it to try to pick apart your side, and God's going to illuminate it if you're trying to read into it. He's telling you, read it for what it says, and pray for an understanding that it will be illuminated in your life. wasn't too long ago that Corey messaged me and told me that he started reading Revelations, and he's like, it's, it's like it become 
alive. It, I, I could see it in, in real time play out in front of my mind. That I could see and understand it, that it wasn't confusing. That is what God intends for us to do when we read Scripture. It's alive. The Word of God is alive because it is Jesus. You want to know who Jesus is today in this world? It's the Word. John 1, right? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. <laughs> then later on it says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the Word. We're contending for this faith in a simple way. And it should dumbfound the wise. Because there's people that will pick it apart. Amen? Some wise folks. Anybody ever, I didn't go to college. Anybody ever went to college? You go to college, there's some pretty wise folks there. Amen? You study humanities and philosophy. and They can get in some deep waters that just is way over my head. I need it to be simple, right? I'm not going to get in an argument with them about this faith because it's foolishness to them. Because all they know in scientific terms is what they can see and replicate. That's what science is. Is I've understood it, it's, I've watched it happen time after time after time, and then it becomes truth to them because they've seen it happen. They've witnessed it. So their faith isn't in an unseen thing, it's in the seen things. So we can't argue with somebody that's going off of what they can only see. Amen. No point in arguing. Did Jesus argue with everybody he come up to? No. He'd keep on walking, wouldn't he? I'm going to go find some simple folk. Baby, be a simple kind of man, right? There we go. We're still got some in the house anyway. So Jude is writing this down. He's saying, contend. I, I'm exhorting you. To exhort means to spur or to encourage and, and thrust forward. I, I want to exhort you to contend for the faith. Wouldn't you love to be in a church where you are exhorted to contend for your faith? To believe in something that you cannot see and be able to defend it by actions that you have seen him come into pass in your life in the rear, looking backwards and saying, I saw God move mountains that nobody could move. Amen? Amen. That's what testimony is about. We've had testimony services before where you can stand up and testify about the goodness of God. Amen? And there's people in this room that can testify and say, without a shadow of a doubt, I didn't see it, I didn't physically see it with these eyes, but there were spiritual things happened, and I watched God move mountains that man could not move. I've seen people pray, and healings happen in an instant. Why? Because that's who God is. He works in immeasurable ways. There's some people that has backup for that. During revivals, it's happened that people that have been healed that come in with a disease and be prayed for and walk out and go back to the same physician, the same doctor, the same scientist they had before and go in a radiology lab, Amy, and come out with a different image than the one that was there prior. Can somebody say amen? That's the God we serve. It's invisible. You can't understand it. There's no knowledge of why it works or how it works, but it worked. Contend for it. 
faith in the invisible God. That we trust him with our lives and everything we have. Why? Because it makes sense to me. Amen. I'm a human. I'm weak. But he's strong. And I'm going to contend for that. The simplistic. The common salvation. And I want it to be common. That people would have an understanding of God. Like they've never had before. God help us to make your gospel so easy to understand and comprehend and present that people would come to know you as their Savior. Does anybody want to contend for that kind of faith? For certain men, verse 4, certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lawlessness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. There are people that creep into churches that doesn't come to spur belief or to contend for faith but they come to create dissension and begin to have a unbelief to cause you to condition or to not condition but uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like doubt but there's a word with C that starts with that. Question. question. No, that's not C. Where'd you go to school? Russell? I said question before you said C. <laughs> it begins with the word C. People from Russell, tell you what. <laughs> yeah, all those words are good. They'll all work. But they want you to question your faith. That sounds really good. Or bring chaos to your faith. That's really good. These, these words will work. And their sole purpose and goal is... To make hell full and heaven empty. Their purpose in life is to tear down the church. And what is the church? Last Sunday when I left that service, it was ringing in my head. I don't think it was said, but this was ringing. Jesus' word said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. I will build my church. And I'm glad he's doing just that. And me and Pastor Tom Cox and Leslie and uh, Pastor Bob that was at the Methodist Church and multiple different ones that's in the ministerial association that do the Project Merry Christmas thing every year. We've often said over and over and over again, we've been here since 2010 and it's been said a hundred times if none, let's get together and have a joint service. We've done it on Wednesday nights before for like Thanksgiving 
But they, we've always been saying, let's do it on a Sunday morning. Just something different about a Sunday morning. And last week it happened. And I think it's something that Jesus is doing to build his church. We Christians better get together and contend for the faith. Because divided, they will conquer us. That's the enemy's tactics from the beginning. If I can get Cain for just a split second to doubt his brother Abel, I'll get him to kill him. And he did. If I can get Eve to doubt for a second, standing there at that tree, will God really kill me because I eat of this fruit? That's what doubt is. It comes in a seed, in a real little inkling, just enough to get you to doubt for a second. But it begins to grow. We need to contend for our faith. Why? Because it's being torn down every day. Now, I'm not talking about going out and browbeating people and hitting them over the head with Bibles. And I had a middle school librarian. She thought so much of books, she took one and drove me through the bottom of my seat one time. It's because I was talking, Chuck. I deserved every bit of it. She had told me to shut up a time or two. I still didn't. And she come around with one of those glorious books of hers and took it and power drive me to this. I think every vertebrae in my back cracked when she hit me on top of that, that big book. It didn't make me any smarter. <laughs> I probably didn't talk as much, but simple. Simple doctrine. Simple truth. A very Simple Jesus. That's all we need. We don't need a lot more. That's all we need. Because if we got him, we got enough. Amen. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, we thank you for this day. and Lord, we thank you for the simplistic. God, I know that we're living in a world that's so caught up and, and it seems like it's just changing day after day and minute after minute and it just seems like there's so much evolving happening. God, help us to see your truth and the simple truth and the faith that we believe and we trust in you for our salvation. Help us to hold fast to that faith. Help us to contend for it. And Lord, that we would exhort one another. Lord, when it seems like somebody's faith is dwindling or it's seems like they're losing their faith. God, that we would be mindful of one another and we would be watchful of one another. That we would be the rear guard for one another. That we would stop the enemy in his tracks from picking us apart. And God, when doubt comes and when those that we work with, that we are in business with, that we are in society with, that we are in groups and with, God, that as they speak these words of doubt, don't let it set up in our heart, God, but cause us to have a faith that it's able that even when those doubts would come, that it would bounce right back off. That it wouldn't take up root. But God, that our heart would be settled and steadfast and unmovable, that would always be abounding in the truth of your word. 
Help us to study your word, God. To know, just as Jesus did, that it is written. When the enemy tries to come at us, that we can quote the words that are written in your word. God, for the people in this room right now that are going through some trying times and the enemy's trying to pick them apart, God, I pray right now that a holy faith would come from above and, God, that you would fill their hearts as they sit here and just for an inkling would believe just for a second, God, that I believe in the unseen, that I would trust in the unseen God. And God, you would bring to remembrance those things of times past when you've been there for them and with them, that you've protected them. God, I pray right now that they would have a faith that they would contend for in this instant to believe you'll do it again. You're going to make a way where there seems to be no way again. For some of those that are sitting amongst us are in impossible situations that worry that fear is trying to take over. God, I pray that you would pluck those things out, those weeds out, and plant faith back in their heart. In good soil. These are good people, God, that you love dearly. Give us a faith that cannot be shaken. Give us a trust that cannot be questioned. Give us a belief that is unmovable. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.